Uh, I think we've been talking about it for nearly two months. We, we're, this week, you've got permission to start reading. Someone said to me this week, I'm up to chapter four. And I, was, I thought, well, that's good. I'm glad that you're excited. But maybe go back and read chapter one again if you need to have a refresher. Um, but next Sunday is when we will, we will preach on chapter one. All right. So I know we're starting the story today, but we're kind of still not quite, if you know what I mean. Today is just a bit of an intro. Uh, and the good news today is that I promised, uh, I did note that my last two Sundays, I did preach a little longer than I normally did, so I was really determined this week as I was typing away, I thought, God, keep this one a little bit quicker, you know, to make up for those last two weeks. No one said anything, so that was really nice. But look, I'm excited because I love it when we, do, we dive into God's Word together. You know, this is probably the third time that I can think of where we've done a reading plan together as a church, and I've loved it every single time. I know from my own experience that when I make the, the, the time, when I put time aside to read the Bible, to read God's Word, I do grow in my faith, and, and it, changes, it changes me as a person. And I shared last week in my, my vision message that a big part of our focus as a church, it's got to be about discipleship. You know, being a disciple of Jesus at its core is that we are changed and transformed, that we would be like him, that we would reflect him in so many ways. And that's what we, we're about as a church. As much as I enjoy bringing a message to you each week, and I think you know, t- taking the time to sit and listen for 20 to 30 minutes to a, an expository sermon, they, that is beneficial. I, I know, though, that real change comes from the time and the effort that we put into our walk with the Lord to our relationship with him. That daily, weekly, monthly, yearly spiritual practices, we could use the word disciplines, that you take the time to do. Not, not the ones that the pastor takes the time to do, the ones that you all take the time to do yourself because here's the thing, we're, we're formed by our habits, aren't we? Does anyone agree? Yeah. We are formed by our habits. We're, we're formed by the things that we consume every day. The things that we take in, you know, what we're watching on TV, what we're looking at online, day in, day out. It, it's, it change, that's what forms us. You know, the, peop, the things that we read, the people we, we listen to, you know, and even socialise with day in, day out. I'm not saying those things are bad, I'm just saying that these are the things that form us and they change us. And if we want to be formed spiritually, if we actually want to be like Jesus, which we know is what he wants for us, it's absolutely imperative that we develop those habits that provide the opportunity for transformation so that we can be spiritually mature. You know, so that we can be those disciples that we just talk about all the time. We always talk about it. We've got to move towards it. And I just want to repeat that verse from 2 Corinthians that we, we looked at last week. This is the words of Paul. He said, And we all who with unveiled faces... Just don't worry about the unveiled faces bit for a second. That's in context with some other stuff he was talking about earlier in that chapter. So let's hear this bit. And we all who contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Obviously not being transformed into God, being transformed to be like him in the way he is, the way he loves, the way he has compassion, the way he cares. I repeat, 
Discipleship at its heart is transformation into the image of Jesus. If we're being discipled, there must be change in us over time. I'm not wanting you to not be the person that you really are. You know, obviously your personality, who God created you to be individually. I'm just saying that within us, you know, we are born broken people and God has redeemed us and he's moving us to this redemptive place that looks like him. It's like him. And if this verse is true, which I believe it is, the Holy Spirit does a powerful work of transformation in us. But I contend today that it's a partnership. Unless we put ourselves in the right place and give the Holy Spirit the time and the space to actually do that work that he wants to do, that Paul was talking about, then we won't, we won't see it happen. It's not just a, a magic thing where we commit to God and then sit back with our arms crossed in the, in the chair each Sunday and expect things just to happen. We've actually got to be in his presence and, and listening to his word and be letting him convict us and, 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 and hearing the application from the Bible and saying, I'm going to make that change with your help and power, Holy Spirit. You know, the terminology we often use for this process is spiritual formation. And I just want to ask you, you know, how, again, what is forming us this morning? How are we being formed spiritually? The truth is that a life of spiritual formation, it's just a lifelong thing. It's a journey. And here's what I want you to know. This is the thing that you have to keep in mind. It's filled with great reward. This is not God from above just browbeating us into some kind of submissive state. I mean, yes, submission is part of it, but we're, we're just curled up in a little ball, scared and doing things just because we don't want to get in trouble. This is because he wants us to experience life to the full. That's what his word says. This is because he wants us to be the way that we were created to be without the brokenness that's come into our life. As you're formed, as you're transformed, you become more like Jesus, which is how you God originally intended it to be. This is, I think you're going to hear this story when you, when you read this over the coming months. So today, church, I'm going to encourage you to consider four practical ways that you can step into the journey of spiritual formation this year. Number one, and this is the obvious one, this is why we're here, well, this is what we've been talking about for the last two months, the spiritual practice of spending time with God and His Word. How many times have you had the pastor say, you should read your Bible more? You know, if you had a dollar for every time, the pastor said, you should read your Bible more. Like it's heaps, isn't it? But I know for many of you, you find it hard. I know that because I sometimes find it hard. And I imagine that we're kind of similar in some ways. For starters, what is going on sometimes when we're reading this? It's hard to know, particularly when we're in the Old Testament. You know, the... The way that they put the Bible together, it's not always chronological for starters. Well, that's confusing, isn't it? You know, you get your reading in the, the, the prophets sometimes and you're thinking, is he talking about what I read six months ago that was going on with the Israelites? And the answer is yes. It's not always chronological. Because it's not really uh, one book, it's a library of books. You know, it contains different writing styles. There's different genres in there. And, and I personally find some easier to read than, than others. I know when I read the, 
the poetic books, they don't speak to me as well as the historical, you know, the narrative of the journey of the Israelites and, and of Jesus and stuff like that. I don't know if anyone else is like, some of you probably think, and I love the poetic books. <laughs> they don't always speak to us the same. There's historical books and prophecy and there's, there's apocalyptic genre in there as well. That one's hard to, to understand. Some books contain more than one genre. Some books repeat what others have already said. And we're sitting there thinking, I, f- I feel like I've just read this, you know, a month ago. It can be hard. Keeping up with the timeline can be hard. There's a huge gap between the end of the Old Testament and the New Testament. What on earth happened in that period? The Bible doesn't really help us with that very much. Next thing you know, Jesus is there and the Romans are everywhere. It's like, what? what's going on here? Like, it can be hard. But most significantly, there's a huge cultural gap between the original audience and authors and us today, and it can affect how we interpret the message. It can make it hard to understand sometimes. And yet, God's story with us, with humanity, is here. And the more we study it, the more we see the pieces, they actually all do fit together when we do that diligently. It's all actually there. This book that we are reading over the the next 31 weeks, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're all clear on this, but just in case, this is not the whole Bible, not even close. The editors have made selections out of the Bible that they think will help us to understand a a big picture so that we can follow that narrative. So it doesn't replace our Bible, but it's a good way to do it. It is definitely chronological, which I find very helpful. In fact, when you get to chapter 2, you may not even realise it, hopefully you, you will, you'll be reading Genesis and actually some of Hebrews and a little bit of Romans in there as well. I believe this regular practice of reading is achievable for everyone. That's why I chose this, this, because I know how hard it can be sometimes just to keep a reading plan going in our Bibles. But I want to teach you something, and and I hope that you can translate it into doing that when we've finished this. I believe this practice of reading is achievable. It's just one day a week for 31 weeks. That's it. One day a week for 31 weeks. In fact, it's just one chapter a week for 31 weeks. And I reckon you can probably do it in about 15 to 20 minutes per week. And what I really hope is if you don't already have a daily habit or a a weekly habit even of reading the Bible, this could be an opportunity for you to say, oh yeah, I'm going to start this now and it will continue through to September and And then from there, you'll be able to start something even better yourself. If you're already doing a daily devotions, this shouldn't stop you. Keep doing that. Just add it on. But I encourage everyone, just pick a time, whether it's Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever it is, put aside that time, read read a chapter. You can follow where we're up to with this insert that that we put inside of it. Take a highlighter with you if you want. We didn't give out highlighters this time. In fact, you had a few requests, didn't you, Rebecca? We didn't give you any highlighters this time. You should have the one from last time. I'm sure everyone's got a highlighter. But just grab a pen even and write some notes. You know, if you're, gonna, if you're unsure of something, highlight it, underline it, write some notes. If, something, if God speaks to you, here's the thing I want you to do is note it. It's like you read something in there and you go, wow, I didn't know that or 
that's actually convicting me or that's, that's telling, talking to me. Put a note somewhere, for goodness sake, and then reflect on it. I think this is why we read the Word. It's important. The Bible answers so much about who we are and why we even exist. Next week, we're going to be looking at origins. That's going to be so good. You know, where did it all begin? But the story also reveals a God who loves us, his children, and a God who established a way back to him after we rebelled and a path to eternity. It's exciting stuff. And as I've been saying, that I've just found that God speaks to me through his word. That's, that's the reason why I like to read it constantly. So this week, start something new that forms you. Read chapter one this week. And then next Sunday, we're going to preach on it or watch online if you can't be here. And then moving forward, the pastors are going to be involved in sharing the preaching load throughout the whole series. We'll be taking a three-week break over Easter. But besides that, it's, it's all go until mid-September. And just think about it. At the end of September or mid-September, we'll get to the end there and you would have read the, the big picture of the Bible. Wouldn't that be a good achievement to have? Like I said, there's an insert in there, so if you get lost or don't know where we're up to, you'll be able to refer to that as well. And, they, and there, this insert does actually have references to the actual scriptures that are in there because they don't put them in there. And so uh, if you do want to know, then you can actually go and have a look at that as well. And, and by the way, there's plenty of copies still available. You can buy one today for $20 over there, or if you can't afford $20, we'll give you one. That's no problem at all. We want you to have a copy uh, you know, if you've bought one to share with your spouse, I, I encourage you, maybe think about buying one each so that you can highlight and write in them as well. I think that would be a good idea. I'm asking you today to commit to a new spiritual practice of reading God's word and seeking God's voice and direction and application for you. Why not take this opportunity to start something new in this, in this new year? I'm going to be praying for you all each week. All right? Here's my promise to you. The pastor is going to be praying as you read the word that God will reveal himself to you. So do that. Number two, this spiritual practice that I think is important is corporate prayer. You know that Christians pray together. <laughs> they do. It's what we do. It's a common part of church life. And if it's not, it's, it's got to change. Here's what we read in Acts chapter 2. This is a little snapshot of the church when it, it, it just got going. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. That included the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That's, there's the church. Okay, there's a lot more to it. I get it. But did you hear that? Devoted to it. Devoted. And I want you to see that last bit. And to prayer. In Acts 1, it says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Constantly. What's that look like? Constantly feels like a lot to me. <laughs> in Ephesians 6, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere all times and every occasion. You know, this is the early church. We always looked at them as our example. And there's many 
more examples in the New Testament, but the picture that is revealed is that the church, they just prayed together. You know, it was in their DNA. There's far more mentions of prayer, of praying together in the Bible than preaching and singing. We do those two pretty good. The point is, followers of God gather and pray. And I just want to assure you that that this is for all of us. It's for you today. If you, if you can talk to someone out loud, you can talk to God out loud. That's prayer. It's just a conversation with him. There's no special tone of voice. You don't have to use flowery words. You don't have to be impressive. We just talk to God. We tell him what we're thankful for and we, we ask him to help us with what we need. But if you're anxious about even that, there's no rule that says you have to pray out loud I'm just saying we just should be there. We can pray quietly by ourselves, to ourselves. Sometimes the loudest thing that we have to say is amen. And I reckon everyone here can do that. So as we move into February, I'm going to encourage a new spiritual practice of corporate prayer. In fact, I'm going to channel the prophet Joel. All right? Here's what he said and what I'm saying today from uh, Joel 1, verse 14. And now it's a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. Good on you, Joel. I like that, that word. <laughs> That's what I want us to do every Wednesday in February and beyond, of course. But February, it's our traditional month of prayer and fasting. And I'm asking the leaders and the people of Hills Church to come to the temple of the Lord. Let's just call it this building here for now and cry out to him. For four weeks in February, I'm going to make it easy for you. It's just 45 minutes. Week one, we're going to do a a service of praise and thanksgiving. Maybe a bit of extra music than usual, telling God what we're grateful for. We might have a bunch of things we need to pray for. We're just going to hold off. It's just going to be God is good. And we're grateful for all that he has done. Week two... It's going to be a prayer for blessing and provision and favour for Hills Church and for, for our mission to help our, our neighbourhood and our community. Week three is going to be for our actual neighbourhood and it's going to be for our city and for our nation that God would show favour on, on this city and that he would help lead us out of pandemic and things like that and, and for our leaders. And week four... It's going to be when we cry out for our family and friends who who are just not walking with God. And we're going to lift them up by name to the Lord for his mercy and compassion on them. Please come to at least one. If you can't come, please pray at home with your family for whatever length of time works for you. Teach your kids something new. Turn off the TV and the devices and just pray together. I don't even mind if it's for five minutes. I'm calling on the church to pray on Wednesdays. If it's just a small gathering with you or little ones and they can't focus for more than three minutes, good, that's okay. Do that. Pray for that, that length of time. I promise you, God will bless that time. He'll hear your prayers. But if you can come, please come. Most importantly, use this opportunity to start a new spiritual practice in your life. You know, something I was listening to a podcast uh, just yesterday, actually, and um, it was Mark Says, and he was talking about a revival that broke out in Melbourne in the early 1900s, and it was amazing. God just moved in the city. But he said, here's the thing. It started in a prayer meeting 
beforehand. But do you want to know what? They were praying for 30 years before that happened. 30 years. We get tired after 30 weeks, don't we? I'm putting myself in the same boat. 30 years. Talk about persistent prayer. Come on. They're leaning into God, ready for when he's ready. Renewal was happening before revival broke out. I'm sure of it. All right. Number three, another spiritual practice I want you to consider for this year is, is uh, the practice of fasting in the spirit of Joel again. <laughs> I'm calling for a time of fasting. It's interesting, isn't it? To be honest, the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of guidance exactly about how we should fast. And sometimes the reasons why are a little bit hard to pick up on. And I just think it's because in, in biblical times, that was such a normal practice. It was in their culture. It was a very strong Jewish practice and it became a very strong Christian practice. When the authors were writing and Jesus was talking about fasting, everyone was already doing it around them. They probably didn't have to explain it in too much detail. But somewhere over the course of church history, fasting, fasting kind of got neglected by Christians. The thing is that Moses fasted, Elijah fasted, David fasted, Daniel fasted, Esther fasted, Anna, the prophetess, fasted, Paul fasted, they're the ones that we know of in the Bible. Jesus definitely fasted and his disciples. In fact, you can assume that all those around him were. Martin Luther fasted, John Calvin fasted, Jonathan Edwards fasted, Charles Finney fasted, John Wesley fasted. In fact, if you were one of John Wesley's guys following him around, you had to fast twice a week. That was just the rule. But we don't want it to be a rule. It's not about legalism. I was reading this week that fasting is mentioned more frequently in the Bible than baptism. It's in there a lot. So we take it seriously. As I said, not legalistically. You know, I'm not trying to create a new law here. Just seriously. It, it doesn't gain us necessarily favor with God. You know, we're not trying to bend his arm on things. But it does have significant spiritual benefits for us. I've actually I've preached a long sermon on this. So if you, if you want to know more, go back to January the 27th. I looked this up. January the 27th, 2019. You'll find it online. I, I assume it'll be there somewhere. But in a nutshell, fasting is going without food for just a set period of time for a good reason, even if that reason is to cultivate that presence of God in our life. I think that's a good reason. Fasting helps us to recognize how much we depend on God for his daily provision. You know, when you start, when you're fasting for the day, you, you feel those hunger pains at 2 p.m. Who knows what I'm talking about? And it's like, why am I doing this? That's the moment to say, Wow, God, you, you provide for me every day. I'm not going to take that for granted. It's also a discipline that asserts that our bodies are not our masters. This is not our God. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes, right? <laughs> we don't worship food. We love food. We are blessed by food. We thank the Lord for food. And I love all you creative people who know how to cook it really well. You're my best friends. But we don't, we don't worship food. We worship God. Fasting kind of breaks that a little bit and helps us center on him. I think out of fasting comes a greater discernment of God's will sometimes. You know, we appeal for God delivers from these trials and this trouble that we're in. Sometimes... We're seeking a breakthrough in our life or on behalf of someone else. I think it's a great spiritual practice for that sort of thing. For us in February, 
while you should seek all those things, while you fast collectively, I'm asking you, this is what I want us to do. I want us to fast and ask for the Holy Spirit to move in his church here at Hills. And for kingdom fruit to just flow in abundance. You know, that we'd be aligned with his will. There's two specific ways that I think we could do this for this month. The first thing is give up something that perhaps is, going back to the beginning of my sermon, is forming us in a slightly unhealthy way. You know, there's a habit in our life or it's, you know, it's, it's just something we know is not good for us. That one thing that's forming you, it's not godly. You know, the, the, the list of this is endless, isn't it? isn't it? I'm not saying these things are, are evil, and of course, they're all in my life as well. I'm just saying, consider giving up one of these things. The first thing, and I'll and I put this one first is because it's going to be me, is that I'm going to give up constantly checking the news on my phone. <laughs> I've become a little bit addicted to always wanting to know what's going on in the world and looking at the news far too much. So I'm going to give that up for a month. But you could give up social media like Facebook and Instagram or Twitter or whatever you're on. TikTok apparently is the thing these days. YouTube, you know, is Netflix kind of the thing that's forming you more than God is? Is, is playing games doing that? Is, is shopping too much doing that? You could give that up for the month except for your essentials perhaps. You know, perhaps it's things that you consume that are kind of got, started to get a little bit of a hold on you. Can we give that up for a month? You can have coffee, though. That's okay. <laughs> this has gone too far. No, no, no. If God tells you to give up coffee, you should... Oh, man, now I'm going to have to give up coffee. <laughs> I had another pastor say the other day, he gave up coffee... And he felt better, he slept better, he concentrated better. He did it for six months, and then he said it wasn't worth it, so he went back to, <laughs> to drinking coffee again. But think of the time that you could use if you took out some of those things to be, to be positive in your life. You don't have to give up Netflix and then spend however many hours a day you spend on Netflix doing a devotion. I'm not saying that, but what if you could use it for something positive? What, you know, if you're, uh, uh, if you're married, you could go on a, on a date night. If you're, if you're single, you can cultivate your, your relationships with your friends better. If there, there's someone you know who is struggling, you can go and spend some time with them. You could take your kids to the park or to the beach or something like that. You could volunteer somewhere, perhaps. Or, yes, you can spend some time in silence and solitude with the Lord. That would be really good, too. The second thing I'm asking you to fast from is for food on Wednesdays until after the prayer service finishes at 7.15. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm asking you to consider giving up breakfast and lunch on a Wednesday. That way you can have a 24-hour fast. You eat dinner on Tuesday night and you eat dinner on Wednesday night. And between that should be about a 24-hour period. Spend that breakfast and lunch time praying for your needs. Pray for your family. Pray for the church. Pray for breakthrough for a friend. And then if you can, attend the prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 6.15 and when you get home, dinner's going to be great at 7.30. You'll love it. Most importantly, start a new spiritual practice. That's what I'm saying today. Number four, the spiritual practice of growing through small groups. This is a very Wesleyan thing because John Wesley realized that small groups of people, they need each other for, for this transformation. We're not very good by ourselves. 
was in the class meetings that the people had the opportunity and the freedom to be encouraged and to be honest with each other and to be held accountable if they wanted to and to experience care from each other. Proverbs 27 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's important to note it says friend there because sometimes when we look at this verse, iron sharpens iron, we think, yeah, we can run against each other with our different opinions. Sparks are going to fly and we're going to get better. I don't think it's that. I think it's actually close contact with our friends. Friends is the important bit right there. I think that's what does it. It's in small groups that honest openness and accountability done in a real spirit of love for each other. We can sharpen each other. Not because we want to be right and, and fix people and sort people out, but actually because we know we need someone else's help and encouragement and support. So while most of our small groups will discuss the weekly chapters in the story, as good as that is, it's doing life together that's the key there. Spurring each other on is discipleship. If you're a small group leader here today, I just want to encourage you, go deep into the Word together, care for each other, and since we're talking about prayer so much, Make sure your small groups uh, have really great times of prayer. To God, you know, vertically and horizontally. Let's do it like that. We've got a range of small groups starting this week. Some existing, some new. There's a a flyer in your bulletin today, because this is kind of the last chance, although we'll take people into small groups at any time, but uh, we're going to stop promoting it this week. I invite you to join a small group. Some have uh, young families, some don't. You know, they're for, for older adults. Um, some are just for men, some are just for women. There's, there's combinations all over the place. And if you can't find one there, speak to us and we'll try and start one if we can. But you can put your name down at the information desk today if you are not in a small group and you'd like to be in one. I encourage you to do that. Or you can contact us at the office this week. If you're watching online, email us, office at hillschurch.org.au and, and we'll help you out with that. Because I think, a, you know, being a growing church, I just think small groups are going to become more and more important for us. For lots of reasons. So this month is an opportunity to start something new, to do the work of transformation. And I invite you to be part of it. The kids and the youth are likewise doing similar things. I think I saw the kids have got, how do I do a Bible reading plan? Is that what I saw them doing today? That was really good and well-timed. You probably knew that was the right thing to do. Thank you, Beck. But we don't do these things just to get brownie points with God. You know, we're not bargaining with God in return for a blessing. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. The reward for doing spiritual practices is that we open up our lives to God's presence and power and leading. That's really what I want you to see. The reward is that we change to be the person that we were created to be. We give God the space he's looking for in our life to do what he wants. I think these are just four things out of many things you can do. I think these four things are very practical and achievable. Just so we're clear, spiritual practices, or if you want to use the word disciplines, are not meant to crush you or weigh you down. You know, Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy to bear. That's what he said in Matthew 11. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So I don't want it to feel like It's heavy and hard. Yes, they take discipline, but they're for us to benefit us. So just to recap, read a chapter each week in the story for the next 31 weeks. Start a new practice of weekly and I hope eventually daily 
private devotions with God. Start a new spiritual practice of corporate prayer. Join us on Wednesday nights at 6.30 for just 45 minutes or pray at home with your family or friends. Number three, start a new spiritual practice of, of fasting. Give up something for February and fast food on Wednesdays until after the prayer meeting. Number four, start a new spiritual practice of small groups, small group discipleship for your encouragement and growth. That's what I'm suggesting to you today. Yeah, why don't we pray about it? Lord, we just uh, we thank you that you, where you say that your burden is, is light, you know, the, the yoke that kind of sits on our shoulders, you know, that narrow path we have to walk won't crush us, won't burden us. But Lord, we just need your help to, to find the, the way closer to you, to, get, to go deeper. Help us, Lord, just to keep the main thing the main thing, to put our priorities where they need to be. And Lord, I just want to pray now for the small groups here as they launch off. I think some have started, but they're launching off this week. Lord, that they would just be amazing times. Amazing times of church, the church body being together, encouraging each other. I pray that there'll be times of, of depth, yeah, of growth, of um, you know, real application, of encouragement, of spurring each other on. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be present in those homes or, or wherever, wherever those groups meet, Lord. I pray for the small group leaders, Lord, for a special uh, outpouring of your Spirit on them, Lord. That you'll give them a, a spiritual gift that they need to lead your people closer to you. And Lord, I want to pray for these Wednesday night prayer meetings we, just like we were singing this morning and we've been praying for your Holy Spirit to come, to move powerfully, um, to stir us, God. And, and Lord, that we would know how to pray, that you would respond to that, for fruit to be in abundance in your church. Lord, we, we pray for that, Lord Jesus. And lastly, Lord, I pray as we each individually read your word this week and next week and the week after and going forward, Father, that we would hear your voice in our lives and we would not just hear and shut the, the cover and walk away, but the, we would pray through it, Lord, and, and apply it. And that would bring real transformation. This is discipleship, Lord. I pray it will be real and tangible and not just words out of the pastor's mouth that are going forward. God, we ask for that. Lord, we've we got to live up to our side of this partnership. We know you'll live up to yours because it's your promise. And so we receive that in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.